0: Good evening everyone I hope you're all having a wonderful time while you're listening to this uh, empowering podcast that we're doing and I'm delighted to be joined by Grace Alice O'Shea who is an amazing person because Grace uh, um, talks a lot about and deals with the delicate subject of sexuality and uh, we particularly, this is a very important uh, factor because I did it all the time. And we'll, I'll be talking about a few cases with the Grace, later on with um, women that have vaginismus for all sorts of reasons, who, uh, problems with intimacy due to perimenopause, menopause, or due to something that happened in their childhood. And, you know, intimacy is an important part of the relationship. It's not the be all and end all, but it, it is very, a very important part. So I suppose it really affects couples when this area of their lives doesn't work. So it's wonderful to, um, you know, invite you to join us on this series of Empowering Podcasts because uh, women do want to talk about this and I suppose we're just opening up the doors in the last few years because it was a subject that wasn't spoken about. And thankfully now people are, you know, bringing it out into the open and therefore women can share their, their, um, you know, what their sufferings really and then ask for help. So Grace, can you tell me how you got into this area and give us a bit of your background?
1: Yeah, of course. So I actually started out in healthcare. Um, I studied to be an occupational therapist, mm-hmm. um, but I did a master's straight after that. I went straight into a master's into health promotion in Galway. And that master's, is very broad. It looks at all different areas of health, but it was kind of by accident. I ended up doing a uh, placement with a sexual health organization. And I just kind of fell in love with it. I was going out mm. to schools delivering sex education and I never got any sex ed, you know, and yeah. the generations yeah. before me certainly got none or the, what we got was very little, very negative, very not sex positive, basically. So once I saw this was actually happening now in Ireland, I was like, oh, I, I want to be a part of this. Cause I had had my own struggles with intimacy, with relationships, just different things, trying to figure mm. all that out. So um, that was kind of where it started. And then recently, well, about two years ago, I also did a, a sex and relationships coaching course as well. So oh, I, do, yeah, I do the education mainly. Well, the education is across the board, but I do it in schools, universities, all that. And then I work with clients, mainly women, uh, one-to-one coaching and I do couples coaching as well. So That's
0: a bit of a Amazing. And Grace, what are the main things that you notice that, you know, what are the big areas that you notice that there's a problem with? And and what do you really want to tackle?
1: Yeah, so the things that come up again and again, um, particularly with women, are uh, kind of low desire or feeling that their desire for sex is really not there or Mm -hmm. it has greatly decreased. Mm -hmm. Um, Painful sex comes up quite a bit. So vaginismus, as you mentioned, which I had myself for years. So I have a kind of personal connection to that as well. Um, Some body image issues come up a lot. Um, General body image issues also relating to like the vagina, the vulva, all of those bits, some shame around that. And generally just kind of communication issues. So kind of a lot of women come to me and One thing is they don't know how to ask for what they want. They don't know how to speak up for themselves, but also a lot of them don't know to begin with what they want. They don't know where to start. They've never viewed sex as something that they can be an active participant in, rather than a passive
0: Participant, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, yes, absolutely, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And Grace, in the case of vaginismus, which unfortunately is quite common, mm-hmm. uh, what, what what do can you do for that? You know, mm-hmm. if someone comes to you, what are the areas that you explore to try and deal with that? What are the big What are the big causes, I suppose, that that you see?
1: Yeah, so well, there's, God, there's different causes. I think. A lot of it can come back to the way we learn about sex very young, like as girls, as women. And if there's girls and women listening to this, a lot of you will empathize with hearing that being told that sex will hurt, you know, particularly the first time it'll hurt. Um, It'll be painful. There'll be bleeding, all of this stuff that we've normalized that actually isn't normal, you know, yeah. um kind of again that belief that sex is done to you rather than with you so the body mm-hmm. kind of nearly anticipates pain and also penetration so essentially letting someone inside your body it's a very intimate act it's a very vulnerable act mm-hmm. so when you think about vaginismus in itself so the uh, vaginal muscle kind of um tightening involuntarily it makes sense that the body does it like it makes mm-hmm. sense that the body is trying to protect you even if you don't agree with that you're like mm-hmm. no i want to have sex the body maybe has some messages stored around that. Now, obviously, you know yourself, there can be more physical Mm. uh, causes of vaginismus, but Mm. it's kind of, it's psychological and it's it's physical a lot of the time. Mm. And I suppose I see myself as a coach. um, I'm part of... I see myself as kind of part of the bigger picture where we have pelvic floor physios who are great for dealing with the yes. physical stuff. We have um, psychosexual therapists who are really good at dealing with the trauma. Me as a coach, um, usually I will take clients who either are doing some therapy or have done some therapy, um, particularly if there's trauma there. Um, and I would kind of usually support them just on their journey in Either if it's using dilators, if it's even just general things about breathing, relaxation techniques, mm. um, connection to the body, um, different ways to actually experience pleasure and self-touch
0: that don't involve penetration. Yes. Um, so it's kind of a multi uh, multifaceted approach. Fantastic. And the reception you're getting in the schools and universities, Grace, I mean, obviously, they're embarrassed when you speak, yeah. but is, is it is it a good you know, are you noticing a, a change and obviously, you know is it empowering the girls that you're speaking to mm-hmm. um in particular? when you're talking about it. Yeah, I mean- and I think they know, know a lot more than we knew at that age. Yeah, yes.
1: well, they do. Well, you'd be surprised. They do and they don't because on one hand, they have so much more access to information than we did. But on the other hand, they have so much, it's really overwhelming. And also in the age of social media, there's always a positive and negative, right? So I find there's a lot of influencers out there talking about sex relationships who might necessarily be qualified mm. and aren't giving great advice, But young people value the advice they get from influencers. Like they're much likely to get advice from a social media influencer Mm -hmm. than go on a HSC website, you know. So there is still lots of misinformation. There's still lots of shame around the vulva. Like I have this beautiful, and it comes from my book, um, The Illustrations by Kira Coogan, who's a fantastic artist in Galway. It's this beautiful kind of compilation of, of different vulvas and labias. And whenever I show this image, there's always like, oh, gross, all of this. But you don't get that reaction when I put up all the
0: different penises, which I find yes. interesting.
1: Yes. Yes. are penises yeah. any better looking than vulvas? Like they're all genitals, right? So yes, yeah. So it's, it's, it's
0: just that the narrative you're changing it. We yeah. were not used to seeing it. Just, saying, yeah. just
1: challenging that, and like if I can be there as a woman and be very positive and open and comfortable about even talking, even using the words vagina, vulva, mm. labia clitoris whatever I think that in itself can be um empowering and even if they're sitting there kind of looking a bit shell-shocked they're still going to be taking it in Um, but no I I have noticed a difference I think definitely particularly in girls schools I actually find they're a lot more vocal a lot more kind of um Mm. opinionated about feminism and, and all of that which is great
0: Fantastic, and one of the things I remember when I was speaking with you in Ennis uh, last year, that um, the audience were particularly, um, you know, asking you and, and intrigued when you said about you know for a couple uh, have intimacy it's important that they they set the the atmosphere you know yeah. uh, a lot of of women later said you know they would never have thought of that and it's all about setting the atmosphere and you know being able to talk about it openly and yeah. seeing what each partner wants which to be honest with you people probably don't do uh, yeah. only that as you said it you know evidence to show that it makes the pleasure so much nicer particularly yeah. for women so yeah. it's something that needs to be in a lot of education about isn't it Grace?
1: definitely because there's still that myth out there and this is one I go on and on and on about that yes sex is natural but again that doesn't mean it comes naturally and that Mm -hmm. you know films and shows and even porn will will have us thinking that it all just happens it all unfolds Mm -hmm. um, you know very seamlessly and we don't need to talk about it it should all happen effortlessly like that's a complete myth like you you do have to put in work to like with any part of your life your physical health your mental health your finances like the sexual part of your life also needs attention it needs care it needs work Mm. and we have such busy lives like the modern lives we live are Mm. so incredibly busy I mean it's not necessarily always a good thing but it's a reality that we and you know people just maybe struggle to make time for it or don't realize the importance of actually carving out time to spend with your partner. And just, you know, it doesn't even have to be saying, okay, we're going to have sex at seven o'clock tonight. It it could be more like, let's just have time on our own at seven o'clock tonight and see what happens or, you know what I mean? You're scheduling
0: intimacy rather than a specific sexual act. Which is is so important and it's the sharing of that. And I suppose the other thing is the communication, Grace. Uh, The lovely thing that that I noticed when, when we were doing that meeting last year is that you were telling them the importance of of talking to the partner what they want you know yes. as opposed to you know telling them what, what women women are not good at that uh, mm-hmm. telling the partner that you know this is how I would like to receive pleasure this is what I mm-hmm. would like as opposed to as you said the total physical act you know so mm-hmm. and even being able to express that and talk about the areas of their body they would like to, um, yeah. you know to to have massaged or whatever that that's something that a lot of women felt uncomfortable with but yes when you told them the importance about it they they really could understand it and Yeah, it
1: is so important, and I always say that as daunting as it sounds, like it is our job to teach our partners how to please us. It's actually not their job to like figure Mm -hmm. it out and blindly try things until something works. Like that's not the best approach, and that's going to be quite deterring for a partner if they have no idea what you like. And fair, if you don't know what you like, that's totally fine. Um, there's exercises you can do, and this is what I do with clients. You know, we do stuff around pleasure mapping, body mapping we do stuff looking at um what are, what are called core desires so the emotions we crave during sex like there's there is tools and resources and people like myself to help you figure out what you might mm, like mm. and then it's building up the confidence to ask for it and again it is actually um our responsibility again to to teach our partners they're not just going to know you know because i think again women particularly in the media you know, when we think of rom-coms and Hollywood, like yes. women are often painted as very passive. We're waiting for someone to come along and yeah. like save us, rock our world, whatever. Um, mm. Great if that happens, but no. Like you, you have to go out and figure it out and ask for it yourself. Advocate for yourself
0: um it's yeah yeah. and I suppose this is what I wanted to cover and why I want you to talk Grace because this is an area where women are not empowered I think you know they're getting more empowered but it's an area where men were the macho man was taught to be doing the whole physical sexual act and women really as you said were only respondents and and we sort of want to bring it up that change the narrative and say it's 50 50 and it it should be pleasure for both one of the things that really upsets women is that if they don't get an orgasm uh, all the time? I know that that's something that you, you've spoken about as well. What mm-hmm. do you say to them when they, because a lot of women, this is a real issue, mm-hmm. you know, they find that, um, that, you know, they, they're, they're not having an orgasm and they can clearly see that their partner is, is enjoying it. And they're, yeah. you know, the women fake orgasms uh, a lot. Yeah. It's what the patients tell me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And look, there's no, I'm not shaming anyone who fakes orgasms. It's understandable that people kind of maybe feel they need to, Um, fake them but that's almost again approaching sex as if it's a performance you know Mm. as if it's something that has a linear beginning and end whereas it you know it doesn't need to start Mm. with kissing and end with an orgasm it doesn't have to be this linear thing sex yeah. is what you make it and you can have incredible sexual experiences that are really charged with sexual energy and arousal and attractive or sorry attraction, and it mightn't include an orgasm now saying that I totally understand that a lot of people want to have them I'm not minimizing that that once. yes, yes. Um, but I would say sometimes when we over fixate on the fact that we're not having orgasms we're making it less likely that we will have one yeah. right because yes, we're, yeah adding anxiety and tension to an experience so i would kind of be asking them okay can you orgasm on your own can you when you masturbate if you masturbate can you orgasm if so okay what can we learn from that what works for you is it a certain kind of touch a toy a fantasy you go in in your head you know bringing that into partnered sex and again teaching our partners um
0: treating the partners where the clitoris is very important as well grace exactly yeah Yeah. because some people
1: Mm. genuinely don't and like everyone's is everyone's vulva and whatnot is a bit different like we have an idea of roughly where things are but you know even um you know when we hear about the 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 g spot and yes apparently the, the person who coined this term actually regrets calling it a spot that it's more accurately it's a region or an area rather than like you know a mm-hmm. magic kind of button and yeah. that is, is actually different for everyone for some people when we think of um like the inside of the clitters it's for some people it's it's more tilted to the left for some people it's more tilted mm. right so you kind of have to explore you know again with touch maybe again toys come in as a great kind of tool here um Because the clitoris, you know, we know that approximately 80% of women or people who have a clitoris need it, stimulated Mm. to have an orgasm. Mm. So there can be so many factors. And also just to add as well, you know, is is your partner making time for your pleasure? Or are you feeling Mm. rushed? Are you feeling
0: under pressure to have an orgasm? Because that's going to make it less likely for you to totally and of course orgasms are, are a real release of endorphins is actually very good for you hormonally yeah. for your health really well. good for you. yeah. 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 So it's just really important that women know uh how to achieve it and and educate their partner. And as you said, it all comes back to communication and, and education, doesn't it, Grace? Yeah, you know it really does. Yeah.
1: It mm. really does. And also yeah. just to again not as 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 good as it is and as wonderful as it is, don't limit, like don't write off a sexual experience as bad because you didn't have an orgasm. Like, yes. When we kind of make it the goal of sex, we're almost setting ourselves up to miss out on yes. a lot of pleasure and being, and something I work, sorry, I meant to mention before, something I work a lot um, uh, with clients on is mindfulness. And okay. mindfulness is so important to mm. Oh, well, so much, you know, we know how like powerful mindfulness is, but particularly in relating to sex, getting out of our heads, busy, busy, busy heads into our bodies, really feeling the sensations, breathing in, breathing into the sensations, like deepening
0: the pleasure. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So many people don't do that. We have sex in our minds and with our genitals and there's almost nothing happening kind of yes yeah All the other erogenous zones all of that you know
0: and you you think that and this is not putting a label on men but I suppose that's probably what men normally do is it more important that women don't do that because men I think most men would do what you've just stated grace in terms of be very much in the head and whatever you know is it is it that that's more important for women or is it important for men too
1: I think it is important for both because even when we think of like premature ejaculation and and, Mm. uh, erectile, uh, you know, difficulty with erections and all of that, that is for men, you know, sometimes getting into their heads, this is their performance. I need to perform. And, and, you know, the more we get in our heads now with the exception of having a little fantasy or something running in our head, that's lovely. But, you know, when we get into our heads and we start thinking about how we look or Oh God, I haven't. I'm not close to orgasming yet, or I'm not really mm. enjoying this. I don't know what to say. Your prolactin yeah, levels are going right. up, and it's interfering yes.
0: the hormones. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So sometimes it's about learning, you know, about again breath we're coming back into the body. Okay, where am I being touched? Do I like it? Where do I want to be touched next? Um, it takes practice. It does take mm. practice. It's not okay. something you just start doing. Um, and it's easy. Like we know what mindfulness. Sure, if mindfulness mm. was easy, we'd be all, we'd have, we wouldn't be totally. stressed.
0: You know, we'd all totally. be fine. We'd be so totally. much. So. Yes, but yeah. what you're really teaching women is to be confident about their bodies, to love yeah. themselves, love their bodies, and to be empowered enough to be able to ask their partner how, how they want to be uh, aroused and so forth. It's, it's, yeah. it's really, we're empowering women in, in this form and uh, equally men, because as you said, erectile dysfunction is, is you know, if it's if there's an awful, it's a big problem for men, some men, and mm-hmm. it's lovely to know that they can equally come and, and talk yeah. to you about that because that's obviously going to affect all relationships as well so we're we're not just talking about females that we're, no. men do also have problems as well and it's important that they have someone Definitely. to come to and that's why yeah. it's so important to have people like you you here, grace tell me about your book because the book i i've read it and it's absolutely fantastic but t- tell me about the book and what uh, made you write it and and then what made you choose the different chapters and so forth and yeah. what, what message you wanted to get across yeah
1: Yeah, so the book is called Sex Educated um, and it is a very, I feel, uh, sex positive... very deep, comprehensive guide to all things sex, relationships, body image, puberty like you name it, kind of sex ed. It's a lot of people um started, they were kind of like, it's like a Bible, it's like a sex ed Bible. So that's what I've been saying now. I'm like, it's like a sex education Bible. It has kind of everything packed into it. Where it came from was I was working, you know, doing the sex education work in schools for years, and I was working with Sexual Health West that are based in yeah. Galway, a church based in Galway. And I said, um, in every session I do and my colleagues would have done, we would take anonymous questions. So every student gets a piece of paper, a pen and just the it was my favorite part. I found it fascinating reading the questions like some of them were hilarious. Some of them were really sad. Some of them were like really, really just good questions. So mm. I was like, "There's something here. There's something in this because mm. this is what young people are asking. We literally physically have all of these notes. So I started to, because they're anonymous as well, right? So I started mm. to just compile them into a huge database and then kind of just separate them into themes. That's where the chapters came from. So we have nine. Oh, different fantastic! Yeah. yeah, wondering so then, how you got the chapters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it took two and a half years to write the book. a <laughs> work, but it was it was a slow process, but it was carefully out and it was it was the uh,
0: diagrams are amazing
1: as you said oh yeah the illustration brilliant yeah Yeah. by again Kira Kuga, just fantastic she was the perfect fit for the project they're really inclusive they're Mm. colorful they're not scary medical diagrams they're really kind of
0: lovely there's
1: a warmth to them Mm. um the book is for teenagers mainly but also for anyone with teenagers in their life so a parent Mm. a
0: teacher
1: Mm. a a godparent. you know any anyone like that um, and the message I think I really wanted to get across, I mean, it's 440 pages, so there's a lot of messaging, but really, it's kind of, I wanted, and I think I said this somewhere in the book, I wanted the book to feel like you're kind of getting a hug, that it's comforting, yeah. that no matter yeah. what is going on for you, puberty I know I found puberty horrendous, I found it to be such a stressful time, um, that no matter what's happening, it's okay, there is help available you know, life goes on, like, you know, your body changes. It's just very much about kind of no matter what's happening for you, it's going to be okay. Like Mm. you're not alone. You're never, ever alone. Um, And as a teenager, you feel so alone because you can't talk about, you totally, know, totally. and as you, you said, did. they're
0: overwhelmed with all this information, but they don't know how to make yeah. sense of grace, which is a big problem. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. The book probably should be available in all, in all. secondary schools. Grace really, should love it? that. Yeah, I'd love I think it. it would be because, yeah. as you said, yeah. they, they, they have to be educated, both boys and girls, how to deal with this information, mm-hmm. how to, you know, make it all very real, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to fantasy. Isn't it? You know, to make it, you know, and then they can to make sense of it, and it's teaching. Each other, how to re- each sex, how to respect the other as well, isn't it? You know, well, it's that's
1: a, it. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of. I wanted to break down some of the myths and the mystery around because mm-hmm. I really don't like the whole "men are from Mars, women are from Venus" kind yes. of narrative. Yeah. Like, yes, there are differences, but there are usually differences coming from how we've been socialized rather yeah. than we're nurtured. Yeah, and we all yeah. have the same amount of emotions. It's just yeah. worth what to process them differently. Exactly. So I really kind of wanted to, and it's written, to be fair, it is written in quite an inclusive way. So
0: Which is lovely, yeah. trans
1: person, and binary person, like it's it's all very just, people, humans, yes, and, yes, you know, virtually. which was really
0: important to me as well. Yeah. Oh, no, no. You're yeah. ahead of your time, Grace. Well done. It's been, it's going very well, isn't it? It's been yeah. so, yeah, it's it fantastic. Um, but we've gotten really s- good feedback. Yeah. Really oh, good great. Feedback. Yeah. 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 It, it came out at the right time because our, as you said, in in Ireland in particular, sex was, wasn't spoken about at all in our mother's time. Mm-hmm. Um, even to us, it wasn't spoken about really. So it's this generation now where thankfully it's been opened up in the schools, but even there's a long way to go grace isn't God there is.
1: yeah there is yeah. So, yeah. you know it's it's kind of scary because you see kind of the real kind of conservative right wing um presence in america growing and growing and very very homophobic very misogynistic mm. Um, mm. laws being passed mm. and I know that is the states but mm. we're all influenced by American politics yes. so it's getting mm. a bit louder in Ireland too so we're. I don't think any of us can relax and think yeah. our okay, work yeah. is done I really don't think that but I, I do want to acknowledge that we have come
0: a long way so it, it, a is, long way, it? it is hopeful Wait, I, where would you like to see it I mean, apart from your being, book being brought into all secondary schools and, and education where where do you think things need to go Grace how do you think things so should evolve like,
1: yeah, with sex education and that side of things, I think we need to be doing age-appropriate uh, education from a young, young age. So start really young, not nothing about sex, but looking at body parts, mm. learning about how the body works, breaking down shame around that, learning the proper names, learning about boundaries and consent. You can teach that. Oh, yeah, that's so important. Growth, you know, So yeah. having that stack, so they're building on the education every year. They're not just getting a talk and leaving cert for two hours. Mm they're really building it up Um, I would love to see that and then on the kind of I suppose more the adult side of things I would love to see um, sex therapy, sex coaching couples counselling normalised as much as therapy has been so you know the way mental health now where it's much more Acceptable. acceptable to say yeah I go to counselling but there's mm. still a thing around couples counselling you really see it people mm-hmm. are very slow to say they go to because they're afraid people will judge them whereas absolutely. I always say the couples I work with are they're not on the brink of breaking up they're actually building an amazing foundation for the future of their relationship absolutely they're not absolutely. waiting till it's about to
0: fall apart fall apart
1: earlier yeah so yeah. I really want to
0: and Grace, what is usually the problem? Because I'll I'll recall um, a couple that I saw um, that the the they had a great relationship for a few years, and then the the uh, husband uh, just um, stopped intimacy completely. And this was going on for a year and a half, and the the wife had put up with it, thinking that it was something was going to come around. And eventually, then obviously she presented thinking there was something wrong with her. When, next, your fact what was wrong was he had pulled out of the relationship intimacy-wise completely. Um, and he unfortunately refused to go for, for sex therapy, which was a, such a shame. So, you know, th- and these things can be dealt with so easily, can't they? Yeah. Well, they can, and like, look, there's so many, I mean, obviously one person
1: is complex enough and then you have a couple yeah. and you're having a whole other human being and all the dynamics. So there's so many reasons people would go to um, coaching or counseling. Like I would say, I know it sounds like the, the company line, but communication is usually one of the key things where it's going wrong. And when I say communication, it's not just simply talking about something. That's great if we're actually bring something out to the open, but it's actually learning to communicate with vulnerability. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, often I will see couples, for example, and there'll be there'll be a real tension around say something like um, one person is watching porn, just for example, and the mm. other person has a really, really, like really strong reaction to this. And that's totally, that's totally okay. But it's not actually about the porn. It's about how they're feeling. Is it making them feel uh, undesirable? Is it making them feel insecure? So it's it's learning to go deeper with your mm-hmm. communication rather than, because it's so much easier to fight over porn use than to mm. have a really vulnerable conversation about you know, desirability or, attra- you know what I mean? Um, mm. Intimacy, whatever it is. So sometimes we use a behavior or an issue as almost yeah. a kind of a, I wouldn't say a scapegoat, that's not the right word, but you know okay. what I mean? Totally, it's not totally. really, we're not getting to the heart of this. So Absolutely. obviously with that couple, there was obviously something going on that he pulled out of intimacy. I mean, that could be anything. It could be trauma. It could be mm. um, feelings he actually has about himself. It could be his totally. own confidence. We won't know unless we have the. We can dive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, and that and that's the tragedy because, as you said, if they do, and, and usually it is something like that where the the, the partner is insecure, or they, they might have been traumatized previously, or there's a problem with with commitment uh, yes. as well. Yeah which mm-hmm. can be a problem. But uh, unfortunately, if, if they don't seek help, but then I suppose this is why we're doing this because we want to change the narrative and take away the shame. Yeah. There's nothing shameful because it's it's actually quite common where, you know, if couples are married for a, a long time or partners are together for a long time, there's always going to be struggles along the way with regard to intimacy. It's not plain sailing the whole 100%. way, Grace. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I think that needs to be, to be brought out. What are the big issues that you see, Grace, that people come to you with?
1: So the main one would be, I suppose, um, what we would call desire discrepancy. Essentially, one person wanting more sex than the other, if we're putting mm. it really kind of in blunt terms. Um, that would be the main one. Uh, but also... And how yeah, would you actually, deal with that, Grace? Oh, so there's, again, there's kind of a lot of layers to it, but um, some of it would be looking at, like, even going right back to, okay, what, where did they learn about sex relationships? Like, because sometimes... In a relationship, um, you know, they could be saying, oh, we only have sex, I don't know, let's say once a month. And I say, okay, but what's wrong with that? Are you happy with having sex once a month? Sometimes it actually comes down to, they think they should be having it yeah. X amount of times and they're focusing on these quantities, you know, like the same kind of with how many orgasms, how many times a week, you know, all this. And yes, I'm yes. always trying to pull it back and think, okay, but it's it's your relationship, you get to decide what works for the two of you, yes. um, so some of that is kind of unlearning, maybe messaging around what their relationship should be, um, but also looking at if one person has lowered desire, and it maybe if it was higher before, but it has lowered. Okay, why has that happened? Sometimes it's happened. There's been a change in their life. Maybe they've had a baby. Maybe they've changed, maybe they've more stress in their life. And um, there could be so many reasons. It could be grief. It could also be that the sex they're having isn't that desirable, that they Mm. actually haven't maybe been having Mm. sex that is, this sounds
0: very harsh, but that is worth desiring. So... Yeah, been that's actually one a person. problem, Grace. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but we hear it a lot, and I hear it a lot. Couples, you know, I don't recall one patient who said that you know he's together with his partner for so long that it was quite boring, you yeah. know, yeah. and this mm-hmm. sort of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's it quite does common.
1: Yeah, and yeah. like, and again, that's nor. And I always say boredom is quite a normal part of even a healthy, mm-hmm. happy, long-term relationship. And but there's periods of it, and then you kind of maybe you you know you try something new or you do something together maybe it's reading a book or doing a few sessions, going to a course, you know, you do something mm. um, to maybe kind of just change things a bit because we do get, we're creatures of habit, we do get, we 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 go to what feels comfortable and familiar. But if we step out outside a comfort zone, and again, that doesn't have to be, you know, wild orgies or sex parties. It can literally simply be, you know, even just figuring out a fantasy you're into or, you know, something that doesn't seem like a huge deal, but it could feel like a huge deal to you. You know, it could be um, the difference between staying in your comfort zone and then stepping out a little bit, like that can really help with desire um, is a bit yes, of an opportunity. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, just yeah. figuring out, again what is it you want during sex how do you want to feel not just physically but even you know um you know we we, we crave different feelings during sex all of us and it's mm. that's I help people figure out kind of what we call the erotic profile you know it's like your erotic figure mm. what are you all about what what makes you tick um could some people lose that or maybe they never had it really to begin with in the relationship the relationship mm. is brilliant in every other way but maybe they still haven't really figured each other
0: out sexually. Like that's quite common. And what do you, what, um, the answer do you give to couples who say how, how, how often should they be having intimacy? And I know we, you've said yeah. there's all different forms, but that's a big worry of people, you know? Yeah,
1: well, they're, I know they're dying to for me to tell them a number, but I refuse <laughs> to tell anyone a number because it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Yeah. I meet couples who have sex multiple times a week and they're not that happy in their relationship. I meet couples who have sex again two, two times a month and they are both satisfied, they are happy with their relationship. Mm. So it really is figuring you know, it depends out. It will on the stage
0: yeah. in your life and what really what's going on.
1: And yeah. sometimes you're just going to have more. Sometimes you're going to have less. Um, I understand why people freak out about it. I really do. Because even magazines and, and online, mm. is, the sex advice we get can be very surface level. You know, it can mm. be like, oh, the minute you're not having sex, your relationship is doomed. That's not the case at all.
0: Mm. But mm. if you
1: let that get in your head, It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You nearly talk yourself into Mm. the idea that your relationship is falling apart and it mightn't be at all, you know. So I figure out, you know, what kind of intimacy you like. And again, that doesn't have to be penetration. It doesn't have to Mm. be sexual intercourse. It can be oral sex, massage, kissing, any kind of touching, toys, mutual masturbation, like all of that is sex, you know. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah,
0: and that—that's so so important to know yeah. that grace. And Grace, you know, or on the you mentioned low libido around perimenopause and menopause. Obviously, with the whole hormonal imbalance, women are very tired; they're not sleeping well. Uh, the vaginal dryness, which thankfully we can sort, but they do have a low libido around this time. And and women worry about: is how is it going to affect the relationship? Will it, you know, have a permanent effect on it? Will their partners get annoyed that you know, their libido is so low? Um, what what do you offer to those patients that? that uh,
1: yeah, so I suppose for me again, I would uh, advise that maybe the physiological side of things is taken care of with the GP, or you know, mm-hmm. if it's that they're going on if it's yes. treatment or whatever it is, because that yes. would be my realm. But I would kind of just like cover that to begin with. But um, it would be again about kind of sometimes I just like to start from scratch with a client, being like, okay. Um, what kind of what kind of um sensations do you like what how do you like being touched where do you get pleasure in your everyday life you know you're mm. examining the connection to pleasure um looking at the relationship you know you said there that you know there's worries about the relationship mm. and how the partner will react I mean hopefully if it's a supportive loving relationship they're going to mm. react well but you need to keep communicating though if we keep each other in the dark. That's where things start to fester. That's Absolutely. where symptoms get big and big and big because there's no shame in it. A lot of the time it's about breaking down the shame that, okay, you're going through a phase where your libido is lower. Like, there's nothing wrong. It's very natural. We're we're very seasonal, cyclical beings. Yes, exactly. Because exactly.
0: Yeah, um, we would find when we'd you know treat women with vaginal pessaries uh, you know get their with their sleep pattern back to normal by getting the hormones right etc that they would do very well and libido would come up and as you know sometimes yeah. that there is some people need um use maybe of low dose testosterone uh, occasionally it's off license but sometimes we have to do that but but yes the key thing is to reassure them isn't it reassurance yeah. and and to keep communication with the partner is what's Definitely. very important Oh, yeah.
1: 100% and, and just and kind of try and break down that shame around it. And I would say as well, like I don't encourage people to like push themselves into doing mm. anything, definitely not. But you do need to kind of, if you're waiting around for libido to suddenly shoot up or you're waiting around for desire to spontaneously spark, you'll be waiting. And that's not just with perimenopause. That's mm. in, with, with anyone who kind of feels they have lower desire, you can build desire, you know, but you need to make, carve out a bit of time for it. There's a brilliant book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski, which is incredible. Yes. Goes yeah. into the science of it um, because there is science to it and it's yeah. our bodies aren't, particularly with women, some of us don't kind of just suddenly get, you know, basically aroused. Generally, we need to build that arousal. So we need to start with pleasure and touch and then mm. desire can come after rather than waiting for desire to happen to go and seek pleasure. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. It's reversing it. Pleasure first. Mm. Desire builds rather than waiting around for desire to seek out pleasure. So seek oh. out
0: pleasure first. Absolutely. And sometimes it's about with low libido, it's just about pure exhaustion, pure fatigue, particularly after women having babies that yeah. they might just be overdoing it. They need to share out the nights and yeah. things like yeah. that. Just women sometimes have ridiculous um, you know, expectations of themselves, you yeah. know, that they're they're superhuman instead of realizing they're human. So, so much, about, yeah.
1: yeah. And I yeah. hear that with women who um, have had uh, have given birth recently, mm. and yeah. you know, they're kind of anxious about having sex again and oh, this the six Mm. week and the six week period is a myth anyway because it's totally different depending on person and they're kind of like oh the six week period is coming to an end I'm like yeah but there's no deadline on this you don't suddenly have to start Mm. having sex and I kind of often say now it's hard because you're going to be tired but like give yourself this space as like even um for a being gentle with yourself but be maybe exploring different types of intimacy that aren't so physically demanding mm. you know maybe it is using a toy with your partner instead of going straight to penetrative sex you know yes. or maybe it's um just doing something else mutual masturbation something like mm. that but like rather mm. than feeling okay i have to get back to the way i was like view it as no maybe this is my time to figure out maybe other things that I like as well that that my body is ready for you know
0: fantastic yeah Grace one thing I remember that we spoke about was with regard to the elderly I mean there's this notion that the elderly don't have interest and don't have sex which is a load of nonsense yeah and I think that the more that people like you speak out and say well actually you know while you're healthy and well you can have it right up to yeah. you know yeah. I, that needs to change because elderly couples feel a bit disenfranchised because everybody thinks that they're past it yeah. And I think we need to change that. And, you know, now that people are living longer, there's no reason why they can't have sex in their 70s and beyond, you know, once once they're healthy and well and, and are enjoying it, isn't it? We yeah. need to change that whole mentality, don't we?
1: Oh, of course. I really hate that kind of, that, mm-hmm. you know older elderly people being sexual is often seen as kind of comedic yeah. or the bottom yes of and I just think yeah. that it's so dehumanizing it's so I harmful. think so. it's like why because you're not attracted to them they're not allowed to have sex like it's yeah. it's just yeah. such a um
0: a judgmental yeah isn't it's, really it? it's very judgmental. Judgmental.
1: I always say okay do you want to stop having sex at 70 80 whatever and people are usually like well no and I'm like okay well you know don't don't feel that other people should have to yeah. like i don't know it's it's not a nice yeah. attitude and um, but look it's pushed on us again it can be the media yeah. and stuff like that but yeah i do think it is slowly changing particularly <laughs> even talking about body image in women and women embracing, you know, their gray hair, whatever it is. I think we're seeing that shift towards women. being. Totally, like, oh, I'm totally. the okay. Helen Mirrens okay. of this
0: world have done great work yeah. there, haven't they? Exactly, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And yeah. just because we, we mentioned erectile dysfunction, I mean, this mm-hmm. is a big problem for, for a lot of men. I don't think it's spoken about enough because men sort of feel they have to be macho all the time. And it's lovely, Grace, that there's people like you there um that that they can talk to about this because as you said it can be a lot of a lot of factors multifactorial i mean one certainly is poorly controlled diabetes but like things like stress and um all these things can be a factor as well and once that's dealt with uh men do very well and of course that's helping in the, you know, in, in the relationship, because, you know, we, we do see that side of it as well, where men sort of, you know, because of that, it's affecting the relationship, particularly when, you know, that the children are gone and they really want to enjoy each other. Yeah. And, you know, if, if a man has that, then it's, it's a big problem, you know,
1: oh, of course. And again, <clears throat> It's there's the problem itself, whether it be erectile dysfunction or vaginismus. But then there's the shame that builds around. The yeah. World, the real issue because erectile dysfunction is so common. Common. Even the yeah. way we call it dysfunction it's a bit like. Oh, yeah, I agree. You you it that, you know? it's, yeah, it's, it's I agree. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I would say, um, you know, with but, that, there is obviously sorry, there's like obviously there's medication and there's there is kind of again your that kind of route. But sometimes you also have to deal with, yeah, the stress, the psychological side of things, mindfulness again, breathing. You can have great sexual experiences with a soft penis. And a lot of men don't like to hear that, but sex isn't all about the penis. You know, it's so many other ways. There's erogenous zones. I won't go through, I've mentioned already, you know, um, touching each other, pleasure mapping, oral sex, all of that. Like the more you focus and revolve sex around an erection, again, you're building up that stress, you're seeing sex as a performance. Now, I'm not saying obviously that I'm not minimizing it, of course, yes. people want to mm. get erections. But the more you again, over fixate on something, you compound the problem. So again, like with men or anyone who has that issue, um, give yourself that kindness, that gentleness, you're not there to perform, you know, we're mm. not shooting a, a porn film, whatever, you know, it's mm. you're, being your body it's going to happen it's going to happen and there is help available like Mm. a
0: hundred
1: and with these things as well any (coughs) things Mary even if it's like uh, vaginismus people want quick fixes Mm. they're struggling with it of course they want it to go away and I always have to be there kind of like there often is not a quick fix. You do mm. have to learn to, as you said, maybe it's through stress management, mindfulness, breathing, uh, connection to the body, all of that. That takes time, but it'll stand to you for the rest of your life
0: because yeah, it applies absolutely. to all areas of your life. You know not yeah, exactly exactly and as you said oftentimes people come to you you're you're basically challenging uh, all of those areas trying to find out what what the cause is and it might be something as simple uh, yeah. as that and, and you sort out so many other areas as well along with that don't you yeah right.
1: exactly like yeah. it impacts your you know our, our sexuality our, our sex life our sexual health it is so mm. enmeshed with our physical health our mental health and okay. it, it gets compartmentalized. Like, we're encouraged to kind of put it away yeah only take it out when we want to
0: yes yeah whereas um, you said the whole thing needs to come together it's integrated yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as your book, which is a terrific education, I would urge people to get it. It's absolutely brilliant. Great, some great credit to you. Your your Instagram is brilliant. I mean, you do great work on Instagram, trying to, you know, bring this whole sexual message across, trying to change the narrative, and uh, trying to educate women about the normal, you know, what's normal uh, with their anatomy, and sort of you know showing the pictures and and trying to shock us into normality as well, which is good. Um, you've done great work with, with, with that I thank think that's brilliant said. thank yeah, you no, no. yeah
1: it's um, it's a nice mm. of social media obviously you're on it yourself it's mm. it can be a stressful place at times you can get a bit sucked into it but um, it is a wonderful like I've made so many just lovely connections you know and you mm. sometimes you do feel like am I shouting into the void a bit here but then you yeah the the message that's like thank you so much for yes. sharing I know I don't publicly share your stuff but I read everything I enjoy it I use it and that's what makes it worth it for me you know is, yes uh, yes
0: there's, exactly there's the actually the yeah, yeah. and the feedback yeah and the feedback is lovely and also to to you know people are are embarrassed about talking about this sometimes and it's a private way of them gently pushing them in the right direction isn't yeah. it exactly I think that's lovely yeah. for them you know because yeah. they are nervous about talking about this next you know Obviously we're changing that, but I think, you know, different generations are nervous uh, talking about the, what they feel is very private. 100%. So you're yeah, um, trying to open that up for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I think um, the more you expose yourself to mm. maybe things that you're not used to, again, maybe mm. things are outside your comfort zone, then your comfort zone gets bigger and you get more confident and you get more open-minded. And I know for me, um, my body image and my journey with that It absolutely transformed when Mm. I kicked out my social media feed, when I stopped following people who edit their pictures or Photoshop or models Mm. and nothing against them, but they're not benefiting me by looking at them every day. Yes. And I started yeah. following, you know, just people of all different shapes and sizes who are who exude kind of confidence and sexiness, and yes. yeah. that truly started sinking into my subconscious over like once yes. a few years. Yes. And now yes. I'm in a totally different place. So it's the same with sex. Like the more you like follow sex educators, follow sex positive accounts, um, and you'll probably notice that you will actually just get more comfortable even with the language around yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I, we had an empowerment conversation last year in. The on Noel Grant Matthews, um, who has an instrument account called Els Curve's Diary, mm. and she champions, you know, the wearing the bigger sizes. But mm. I think that's fantastic because mm. she, she you know, she's very confident and she's embracing, mm. um, you know, or, or how she's feeling and, and making people feel better as well. So I, I just think that's lovely. But when these people come out and change the narrative for themselves, they're actually changing it for everybody else yeah. as well in a very positive yeah. way. So it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh. so grace where can people get help or how can they come to you if they want to see you how do they
1: yeah so the simplest way is my website it's very straightforward it's grace so you'll kind of find everything there you can book in a session um you can send me a message uh there's a link to the book link to my instagram cool. you know everything is really there so grace is is the simplest place to go to Fantastic, and the Grace Alice is lovely and catchy. Where did it come from? <laughs> well, it is. So I have two middle names, um Alice and Catherine. And I just wanted something because uh, when I first set up my business, I was employed yes. with a with Sexual Out West. So I kind of needed to have two separate, stri- you know, streams. If that made sense. So I said, "Okay, yes. what's my brand name be?" Okay. Said, okay, Grace Alice. Um, oh, yeah, very I, I nice. Like, I like that. Sound. Yeah. So very nice. Yeah. And is so, it going very well for you, Grace? Are you very busy? I must say it is, it really is. I'm so grateful it is. Um, I, um, you know, I go to schools, I, I've I just so many things, I've the schools, I've the coaching, I've courses, I've workshops, it's all go. Um, I'm championing the four day week, Mary, I'm doing the four day week. It has just been, I know not everyone has the privilege to do so, but I said, look, mm-hmm. I'll give it a go. I'll try good it. girl. Um, good girl. It's, um, it's just made such a difference to my mental health. So
0: good girl. And uh, you, your day off then you're doing mindfulness and what else?
1: Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Just spending time with my dog and my boyfriend and friends and cooking. just like, yeah, just kind of yeah. uh, yeah it is busy it's very emotional work you know coach it's it's course it is yeah and teaching in schools it is it is it, it really takes all your energy so I give it all for the four days and to be fair now I am
0: on social media probably seven days, so I'm technically working maybe seven days, but you know. Yeah, um, but I think that's a very yeah. important part of reaching out to people and, you know, ma- normalizing uh, yeah. something that, that hasn't been treated as normal. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important pa- part. And it's such a shame that it took so long for, for this to happen because so many people yeah. have suffered as a result of that. I know, but, yeah. But, um, you know, one of the things that i are going to finish up shortly, um, no, we, we had uh, Nolene Blackwell on in one of these empowering mm-hmm. podcasts and she's done so much in the, with the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, as you know, and as but she's big into, um, you know, the consensual thing and educating boys and girls about what's normal, respect, proper communication, you know, really learning all about um, no and what's, you know, the, really what the person wants, but when, when no means no. Yes. And uh, all that is, is part of what you're doing as well. So it's so important. Yes.
1: yeah Yeah. oh it's such an important topic i was only doing a consent workshop today in a boys school and it was brilliant and it's it's a complex topic and it's not black and white and it's something Mm -hmm. you don't just do a workshop on and you're done it is it is really lifelong learning
0: because and of course boys need to be taught about that as well because they it's it's hard for them as well to know you know you you don't want them to be Yeah. yeah you don't want them to be wronged in any way as well so it's very important that they are educated Yeah, everyone
1: needs to be educated on basically Mm. setting their own boundaries, speaking up for themselves, but also checking in with partners. I always say, again, sex is not something you do to someone else. You do Mm. it
0: with them. So you
1: need to make sure that they're comfortable, they're engaged. Are they enjoying themselves? You know, if they're not, check in. If they feel like, you know, if you feel like they're not, check in. So we go through a few scenarios and really try and and make it tangible, you know, for them. Yeah. examples and yeah i think it helps i do think it helps um well, girl. it has
0: to be a cultural shift as well you know well it done well grace i think you're doing amazing work i really i think your book is fantastic your instagram is fantastic i would urge everyone to to get the book and read it but also yes. to go on your website but what i think i think you as you're doing is very empowering for both men and women because this is a big area unfortunately it hasn't been given much uh, in the past mm-hmm. but we're, we're doing our best to change that and and with that we're empowering uh people to take control of, of their lives in a very healthy and positive way so thank you so much grace for uh, for joining us um and obviously this is going to help people hugely and and we really do appreciate it thank you very very much thank you thanks you're welcome not at all not at all thank you for joining us thank you